Are you living the crazy life of a sports parent? This is Sports Parenthood, the podcast packed with cool conversations with sports people, coaches and professionals for rookie sports parents just like you. You'll hear nuggets of gold in every episode with your hosts, fellow sports parents, John and Tiffany Bonacera. Why do kids play sport? That's a question our guest today discusses with us in this week's episode of Sports Parenthood. With the answer prompting an evidence-based evolution of one sport's grassroots initiatives. Just for some context, in Australia, the data tells us age is the key determinant of child participation in organised physical activity. Participation peaks in the 9 to 11 age group and begins to decline when kids are between the age of 12 and 14. And these dropout rates are exactly what Tim G, the Regional Game Development Manager for Sydney Metro at the National Rugby League, says has sparked the revamp of the game's development programs, including the introduction of league stars, which is designed to drive ongoing participation in sport. In partnering with Griffith University and the University of Queensland and drawing from the expertise of others, the aim is to make rugby league more enjoyable for kids. Just as importantly, it's about addressing physical literacy gaps and helping to build quality relationships. For example, it's not what coaches coach, it's how they coach. So what are the philosophies that underpin this very different approach and why premierships and grand finals have been sidelined in the formative years, which initially involved a big adjustment of mindset for many parents and coaches? Let's meet Tim, who showed us real patience in recording this interview as John and I had to troubleshoot some tech issues. And he (laughs) starts with his own sporting story. But a special shout out to John's uh, little yawn that you might be able to hear uh, within this. (laughs) Yeah, not great. Enjoy this episode. I didn't play as a junior. I played soccer growing up. I, I guess what my father did, played soccer and my brother played and did that. And it wasn't until probably high school. Well, actually, late, late primary school, you know, school sport where a lot of things is where I got into rugby league. Obviously a fan of the game since I was I was little. I'd much prefer watching that than, than soccer from a, from a very young age. <laughs> and then not, not until I went to uni, I was uh, went to uni on the Gold Coast and was travelling back up to the Sunshine Coast most weekends, catching a train up or trying to get a lift with someone. And I went down and played in the under-19s there. With, and I just played on the weekends without training and come up every weekend and Got into it there and really, really, really enjoyed it at that level. And I probably was a bit of a late maturer as well with his physicality and size. I was pretty little and scrawny through through high school. So probably as opposed to now, of course. <laughs> well, that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the adult scrawny version. <laughs> so I got into that, mate, and then yeah, things went pretty quick from there with with the uni like uni had a team and played played into got into that rep team and then the South East Queensland team and when uni was finished, went back to, to the Sunshine Coast and started playing A-grade there and straight away found myself with rep teams and then down playing Queensland Cup and uh, trialling for an NRL team. And by all that time all that happened, I was probably 24, 25 and obviously realised I was probably missed the boat there for, you know, that, to, to make that, that uh, next step to the, the elite there, even though I was doing you know, a couple of pre-seasons here and there with, with the Broncos and whatnot. And um yeah, I thought it was time to head overseas and well, I could still play and, and um, see where that took me and managed to go over to the London Broncos and um, they took me over once again, played in the reserves there for a couple of years. 
managed to go to the USA to cap and coach a team in Connecticut, USA for a year. And while I was in Brisbane, in London, um, I actually got injured at their you know, reserve grade. And in that instance, I couldn't run for six months because I did a disc in my back and the, the club got me to go and do uh, some development officer work at schools and clinics. So I thought, well, that would be job to, to fall into later on after after all this and um, upon coming back from the states there was a couple of jobs with the the NRL it was the ARL development back then mm-hmm. yeah I was lucky enough to get one he was with the Titans and as it turns out I met my wife over overseas she was traveling as well she was from Sydney though and it was where do we sort of live Queensland or mm-hmm. Sydney and um, I didn't want to knock that job you know on the head but and I said, is there anything in Sydney, you know, in the same role? And they said, well, actually, there is. There's one, one based at Manly, one based at Balmain. Ah. And they said, you'll have to re- fly down and re-interview. Uh, I was happy to do that and was lucky enough to, to get that. That was at the start of, and started there in 2008 and have sort of been in the same office at Narrabeen ever since with, with varying roles, coach education manager to um, regional game development manager where I I'm working now. Yeah, no, so I was just going to say, so you're involved in sort of the regional game development kind of area. Tell us what that involves. Yep, so so game development department of the NRL is probably the biggest department at Port with perhaps 160 development officers nationwide and they go out to schools and run clinics and run gala days. They do coach education of an evening. They help out with junior league on the weekends. Uh, so it's a, a pretty broad role that encompasses busy job. everything yeah. mm-hmm. to do with participation, and that's that's the key, I guess, goal or outcome of that role is to to increase participation and give new participants or boys and girls a positive experience with with rugby league as their first first engagement. You mentioned your youth and your experiences early on in soccer, and uh, you know you followed your parents' footsteps. How would you describe your parents? As sports parents, what was their involvement, and you know, how did they nurture you? Yeah, they they were they're a huge, um, you know, guiding guiding light for for us. As I'm one of three kids who were very very sporty, and sport was a huge part of our lives. If we weren't training, or like a lot of parents there, they were um, running around taking the kids around for every different sport possible. And if they weren't doing that, we were still out there playing you know, footy, soccer, going surfing. In a very sort of outdoorsy lifestyle, where we grew up, grew up on a, on a bit of a lake there. It's close to the beach and close to a bit of bush, and we could, you know, throw a little tinny across into the lake and go camping for a night down there, or you know, tow, tow each other on surfboards on the boat. We we're always just doing some sort of activity and set around when we weren't playing or training sport. Mum and Dad were just, yeah, pretty much guided us whatever we wanted to try. Obviously. Thinking back, whether they, you know, guided us into the sports that they did, so it turned out that way. His dad, dad played soccer at a high level. He, he managed to play, I think, it was under twenty ones or twenty threes for Australia as a goalkeeper. Oh, um, wow. Mum was you know, a Queensland representative for, for field hockey. So my sister, yeah, played hockey, and me and my brother both played soccer from an early age. That was that was winter, summer. We would do yeah, surf lifesaving and and tennis in summer. So. Yeah, Dad coached us in, in a few teams um, and he would be over the park with us whenever we asked. We were lucky enough to have a soccer field three houses down and a, a, a recreation field there and he'd be out just kicking, kicking balls. My brother, who's a goalkeeper as well, and I was, he'd help me with anything I needed. And, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing support that, and obviously experience that they had as well, which, which helped, but there was never any pushing us harder to you know, do better. I don't have one negative memory of, 
of any of that, which which is fantastic when I'm out and about on sidelines, seeing how some parents um, you know, some parents act, and I don't have any memories of that from them, which is which is good for me. It's fantastic. So, Tim, you're now the regional game development manager for Sydney Metro. You're in a position to help influence the sporting paths of young athletes. What are some of the philosophies, your philosophies in nurturing kids in sport? I guess the whole philosophy that we've tried to bring through in game development, it's slightly different to the coaching aspect because we, we understand coaches have a huge impact on participation. So philosophies for our game development programs and clinics, etc., is just to give every kid a positive experience in rugby league, whether that's through a, just a one-off engagement, an assembly visit, a regular competition that's run really professionally and safely and providing an environment that's fun, safe and enjoyable. That's, that's generally the philosophy right there is, mm-hmm. yeah, make it fun, safe and enjoyable so the kids would like to come and try it again or dip their toe in a bit further into the water and, and see what other programs are out there or, or maybe go and join a junior league club. That's um, that's where we sort of gear it towards. Mm. So, Tim, how do you differentiate yourself? I guess from uh, let's call, I don't want to call them, com- you know, the, the sports that you're competing against. But how do, you, how do you see? Yeah, other codes. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. I guess it's our our network of development officers and our professionalism with with the training that we put into the development officers who go out there and represent mm-hmm. the brand is probably a key thing. I know so other codes that don't have yep. the network of full time professional. Belton officers like we do, they use a lot of casual staff and uh, uni students, et cetera, that mm-hmm. uh, they don't get the quality of the program delivery. That's I think that's mm. where we set ourselves apart. Mm. Um, our, yeah. You know, one of our new League Stars programs is, is really a point of difference. Um, for Tim, how did that come about and what's involved? So the League Stars program, we've, we've sort of gone through a bit of evolution of what we deliver in schools. And it used to be, let's get into as many schools as mm-hmm. you can see as many kids as you can to reach some KPIs numbers because that's what the commission wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of get in, you know, see as many schools, kids, and there was no real, um, you know, follow-up or, or intrinsic, you know, engagement from the kids then to go and seek out, you know, further further opportunities in rugby league. So we engaged a Gemba research company to, to try and come up with a better program that really gets engaged the kids deeper and wanted them to yeah to to be a bit more involved in other aspects and they came up with yeah a league stars program which it, it differs from other junior participation programs where it, it draws on the rugby league's you know unique traits and characteristics that a lot of people love about the game mm-hmm. but it really mm-hmm. um tasks the game development officers who go and deliver this with nurturing each individual empowering them to be sort of proud of their unique strength and bring them into the rugby league family. It's all non-contact, which, you know, is a big selling point for a lot of new participants and mothers that definitely engaging whether to, you know, you sort of got to, you're in retail essentially, you're selling your sport and you've got to, you've got to give Mm. reasons Mm. that um, people are going to want to buy your sport. And and that's, you know, putting Mm. $50 into a a weekly program that they can put their kid into. So obviously AFL had Auskick. We we Mm. didn't, we had a, a, a backyard league program, which was only run in school time and didn't, didn't really have the, the effect that we wanted it to. So the League Stars now is our flagship flagship participation development program where we worked hard with uh, Sport Australia and made sure that it integrated into the curriculum. 
to meet some gaps in physical literacy there was, it was a huge thing for us mm. to make sure, mm. you know, mm. the, the kids develop the necessary skills, confidence and motivation to participate in all sport beyond league stars essentially. So mm. um, that, was, that was a really key mm. point of difference for us now with this program. I love that talking about the gap in physical literacy because I would argue that that's probably it's obviously been proven that that is something that's quite huge, really. Do you know any more detail about what they identified as that physical literacy gap, Tim? Uh, it was about fun- functional and fundamental movement skills, to be honest. So we yep. a lot of our initial activities with you know, all the sessions are planned, very detailed, so that anyone could actually come in and deliver a League Stars program if, with these sheets mm-hmm. in front of them. Uh, knowing what you know, what those activities were, and it was about mm. taking the footy away from it at that, that start, and just we've got them called mascot mm. boots, and you know we've aligned them to each of the clubs, we, and we've mm-hmm. you know got the, the Titans tumble and the, the Panthers prowl and things like that. So oh, yeah. it's actually getting their bodies moving yeah, around, yeah, yeah. and you know um, the yeah. kids don't know they're actually doing rugby league, but they're actually you know, it's surrounding them, and they're uh, just. Improving mm. their, you know, physical literacy, uh, and then we introduce the ball, mm. um, and they just we want to make sure they're just running and having fun uh, on the back of that. So that's where that's came from. Yeah. Mm. In the initial stages, there, Tim, is it an eight-week program, or how does it look? Yep. So there's, there's different options there. So we've got a, a four, six, or eight-session program. You know, about understanding the basics of the game. Obviously, the rules, objectives, mm-hmm. and tactics. Mm-hmm where they progress and learn these rugby league skills and then, you know, develop those fundamental learning skills is key. The eight-session one that the research tells us is where the kids will, will actually have high level of engagement and more likely to then go on and seek out those further opportunities in the junior league or community club, whereas the four-week ones doesn't necessarily give us the, the yeah, that buy-in that... Um, just they'll do it rather than if we get to the back end of that program, which is, as I said, all those sessions have been researched and designed for, that they will actually have um, an engagement that will go deeper. In recent years, the NRL has also established a new player development framework. Does this come off the back of the League Stars program? How did it come about, mate, and what are some of the key takeaways there? How it started was... Dropout rates and retention rates and participation rates were all going down across the board in sports, not just rugby league. And about, I think it was 2015, yep. 2016, they did a couple of retention surveys of parents to kids that left the sport and why they, you know, why they left the sport. It was because they weren't getting enough game time. They weren't getting to wear the jersey as much as their, their teammates, coaches' favourite, you know, the better players, uh, those type of things. Right. So then they delve yep. deeper. So we changed up our coaching courses on the back of that slightly. Um, and I think we're starting to get mm. an effect by targeting the coaches and, and getting them to provide a better environment. Definitely. So then we got Definitely. into the player development frame. We still delve further here. And they just had the crux of it all is we wanted to find out why do kids play, play sport, okay, to affect these dropout rates. Mm-hmm. So once again, kids surveyed on why they, why they play, parents surveyed on why they want their kids to play. Uh, and it came out as an opportunity to put in some competition initiatives and around the structure of competitions to, to try and, well, there's three objectives, to attract and train more players, foster personal development, and then transition and nurture performance. So they were the guiding mm-hmm. principles and objectives. The research, we got obviously all the governing bodies, so New South Wales, we've got country rugby league back then, QRL, mm-hmm. Lithuania States, uh, and then we partnered with Griffith Uni and, and the 
uh, University of Queensland and mm-hmm. had some experts there in, in player development pathways and models do the research to make rugby league more enjoyable for more kids, essentially. That's um, mm. well, based on a lot of their mm. concepts on a guy called um, John Cote from Canada uh, and his development model of mm. sports participation. And okay. within that, yeah, there's, there's some really key things. What a research. Oh, we'd like to hear yeah, more, actually. So much. <laughs> what did he well, say? They, they used a lot around their uh, personal asset framework, which offhand remembers around uh, sampling years and getting kids to sample a lot more activities than just yep. just the one sport and not, not concentrating on early specialisation because that was a probable outcome of that was while it might have elite performance, it was reduced physical health and reduced enjoyment, whereas if they were sampling through middle childhood, mm. late childhood. Once they get to adolescence, they can you know, choose the recreational versions and they can start special and, and invest further in those years where yep. the probable outcomes were still elite performance but enhanced physical health, enhanced enjoyment. And then there was also the, you know, as I mentioned, that personal assets framework where the dynamic elements that they try to include in all our new concepts or initiatives were engaging activities, create appropriate settings and developing quality relationships. Developing relationships is a huge, mm. actually really, mm. really big one that we could then push on to our coaching accreditations and the mm-hmm. content in those courses. Personal assets that they wanted to develop mm. were competence, mm. confidence, connection and character. The four C's is what we've been working really hard on. And okay. so once you have that, once again, the outcomes, mm-hmm. participation, personal development and, and in performance in, in some respects as well. So there was a hell of a lot of research. It was mm. Love a bit of research. The new coaching courses are fantastic. If, if anyone gets a chance to just go and even look at the content, you can do the, the online modules mm-hmm. and, and see see what's involved. But yep. yeah, it comes from, yeah, as I said, development models in sports participation that have been used mm-hmm. in Ireland, Norway, USA. Um, we had a guy called Ken Martell from USA Hockey come out while we were mm-hmm. going through all this. And they were doing a similar revamp of their sport, it's ice hockey. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Participation rates going down, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. had to redo their whole development model and player framework. And they went yeah. they sort of man- mandated across, you know, all the states and the governing governing bodies, but they weren't able to. And when once they saw some of the stuff that we we were doing out here, they were blown away, which was which was great validation for, mm. for the research and mm-hmm. we're on. And yeah, mm. his, his recommendation was get everyone to adopt it straight away, do it rather than you know little competitions here, there, and everywhere. Obviously, it had to be trialled first. And so in 2019, they, they trialled it in southeast Queensland and Victoria. And, yeah, results on the back of that from, once again, surveying the parents and kids, mm-hmm. posted the initiatives that they, they put in. It was, was overwhelmingly, yeah, um, validating yeah. that we're on the right track. What do you think are some of the things that they like most about the revamp, Tim? A couple of things are like the tackle ready, uh, tackle ready program. So it's mm-hmm. while some of the old rusted on rugby league heads under the six and sevens, we're introducing tag there, but they have to do a tackle ready program. So mm-hmm. we're actually getting prepared for contact rather than just throwing yeah. the kids in, in the deep end. So mm-hmm. getting used to falling on the ground, is, mm-hmm. you know, that's not that's so much the tackle part of that level. It's a lot of, lot of cuddling mm-hmm. and hugging going on, but falling on the ground part is, is what, <laughs> you know, some kids can get up crying and, and just don't want to do it again. So yes. you've got to realise, okay, well, let's let's take that away, from, a little bit of contact away from the first first little, you know, introduction of their rugby league career, yeah. and and let's teach you how to do it properly and fall properly, and be confident and competent with that, so that mm. then 
they will yeah won't be scared of, and obviously that attracts uh, a new clientele outside of um, rusted on the rusted on um, parents that are going to be yeah. in the rugby league anyway. Yeah, so that's that was one of the initiatives, and it had a really good feedback. There's development competitions where. You know, there's no premierships or, or, yep. or grand finals up until they hit their teenage years, 18-month registration windows. So those kids that take a little bit longer to develop due to you know the, the relative age effect, the maturation effects, don't be are lost to the game, and they can, you know, with the right checklists and application, they can play any year group below. Mm, mm. Keep them in the game. That's a big positive. Yeah, weight-related comps as well have been tri- yep. trialed. So there's a lot of initiatives that go into this framework. And altogether, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's positive positive. Tim, one of the things I was going to say and, and some of the feedback and some of the things I read is there, are, there is a certain pe- style of parent that believes that children should learn how to win and lose early. And the, the reason I'm bringing that up is just in regards to the way that that competition, development competition, you, you just said you've implemented in, in terms of no kind of ladder, if you like. Has that been warmly received? It has once it got into it. Yeah. It was definitely the, uh, a couple of people from that team had to go into those junior leagues almost with a bulletproof vest on and go, yeah, <laughs> and do. you can imagine. And, yeah. and to their credit, they just went to league after league to, to show them the results, yeah. to show them the evidence-based research mm. that it, it was going to be better for the sport and better yeah. for their kids' development mm. in the long run, which is hard to see. And, you know, if... You know, first I heard of it, and I was involved in, in some of that research, was taking tackle away at six and sevens. Like, ah, it's not rugby league. You can't do that. Mm. But then mm. you see the research and how how much better it's going to be for your child. You're like, there's no way you can say no that, mm. you know, you don't want to be part of that. Mm. But the competition side of things, we're actually not telling, you know, coaches, competitions, leagues not to compete, mm. okay, because – the main reason, three main reasons kids want to play sport and have fun, play with their mates and learn new skills. Yep. But the close one up on that was they still like to compete. True. So competition can be extremely beneficial under the right conditions. Mm. However, when there's an overemphasis on winning at a young age, it has a hugely negative impact. Yeah. Mm. So that's the balance. Winning isn't exactly competition, is it? Competition is the process and winning is the outcome. And that's what too many coaches at a young age exactly. get focused on because you can because you can win or lose these yep. things. They focus too much on those early maturers and don't give any skill development time mm. that training to those 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 kids that are you know born quarter four and haven't been on the planet. Yeah, you know, almost twelve months twelve months longer than those ones in quarter I one, know. which are obviously more developed. Totally. So they put all their time, they gravitate to it. Maybe if they don't, they're not knowing they're doing it either. Mm. So. This can take away a bit of that, and without that result-driven focus, mm. the coach can worry about, oh, geez, these three here aren't up to speed. I'm going to concentrate on mm. getting them up to speed with their skills mm. and development, you know, mm. those four C's, confidence, confidence, character, and connection. It sounds really positive. Yeah, so much positivity going on around this, this as I said, research there. Um, mm. You know, you need to be conscious to provide kids that, that healthy opportunity. Uh, healthy competition at training and any yeah. game. So they learn to test themselves yeah. in challenging conditions, but don't have the results, you know, overarching measure of success. We've mm. got to change that mm. that ideal of success for the, for the age group we're talking about. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the coach and the parents as well. When you spoke about the research that's been done, Tim, you mentioned that sometimes the experiences of participants, let's call it, they can be soured by the coaches and or parents who have a different focus to them. How does this new system support coaches and parents in helping them understand 
the needs of the kids. At the crux of it's understanding why their kids are playing. Yeah, yep. If they're, yep. you know, cheering on and their measure of success is different to their child's, then mm. that's what we need to educate them on. Yeah. Um, but that one, yeah, probably just sits a little bit outside us at the moment. But it is yeah. definitely a huge piece that needs to be worked on mm. um, with all of the governing bodies and, and stakeholders. Mm. But and it has been talked about, so I don't know how far down the track they are with that yet. But for the coaches, that's where we keep getting a massive impact. And yep. we've been so hard on that in the last four or five years. So content's been redeveloped um, with the philosophy of it's not what you coach, it's how you coach. Yep. We can give you all the skills and drills you like. We've made an app for the Royal League app which we filmed over 300 activities, you know, mm-hmm. skills, drills, activities for coaches. So that's all at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. So when they come to an accreditation course, we're actually going to teach you the house, mm-hmm. how to engage parents, how to, you know, communicate with kids, mm-hmm. how to create a positive learning environment, mm-hmm. educate them on the stages of development, you know, and what mm-hmm. we need them to retain and increase participation. They've got a huge role in that for us. Yeah. yeah all those volunteer coaches have such oh, a big yeah. role in moving forward. But they've got to understand what kids play sport too. Yeah. What are they going to? Are they, is it for them to get a premiership? Is it true because their son's the best player and he wants to, you know, just true. coach him to get him better? Mm. And he's not concentrating on the other kids. So we've got to mm. get them to understand the relative age effect, some of these other big mailing effects, mm. and Galatea effects. The more knowledge we can share with them like that, they're going to be mm. better served to create uh, a positive learning environment. You know, mm. so. Mm. The things that go into that is just playing lots of games. You know, embracing mistakes, praising. You know. Um, effort over over performance, mm. things like that are mm. key things that a lot of coaches just never heard of when they come to our courses. What makes it fun? Intrinsic motivation through the through mm-hmm. the kids you're coaching to yep. want them to be lifelong, either fans of the games, come back and contribute, you know, to the clubs yeah. a volunteer or a referee or a, or a coach themselves mm-hmm. one day. But if mm-hmm. we're not creating that environment where their experience in rugby league is not good, they're going to They'll go and play another coach. Definitely. So, yeah, we've got to develop and maintain relationships. It's, it's, it's a big, big key factor in our new coaching. Mm-hmm. Tim, um, we covered a lot today and I, I feel really encouraged by what you're saying and, and I think the um, the evidence, I guess, that you you're, that is, is backing the programs that you're rolling out, which, um, you know, is music to, I think, a lot of parents' ears. But yeah, if you have one piece of advice for sports parents, what would it be? Yeah, I think you've touched on it a bit. It's just it's probably understanding why kids play sport. Mm. Don't don't do it because it's something you've done or not through your lens. Yeah, what you think they might might like to do. It's it's understand why they're playing and what they want to play. Um, I think those last couple of points I mentioned recently there was encourage effort over results. I, I really mm. try and pass that advice on and, and encourage them to sample different sports. Okay, that that way you're going to be able to support those. Those four seasons, confidence, confidence, character, and connection. That's gold. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sports Parenthood. Please leave a review, share with your friends, or visit our website, sportsparenthood.com.au, to connect. Catch you next week. <laughs>